listening to You Need to Stop Doing That, a podcast from Work Better Day and MatchPace. I'm your host, Elizabeth Knox. We are all facing a million decisions a day, big ones and little ones, and it can be overwhelming. Our quick solution is often to add more to our lives, more technology hacks, more responsibilities, more relationships. In reality, if we want to be more successful, have a greater impact, and maintain the quality relationships that we have, we need to make choices to prune away some things from our lives. Only then can our priorities have the place that they deserve. In this podcast, we explore how to stop doing something in a world where we expect ourselves and others to keep saying yes to the next thing. Hi there, you need to stop doing that listeners. Today, I am talking with Nicole Merrill. Nicole is an upskilling advisor. She helps people change careers, navigate layoffs, and commit themselves to continuous learning. The you need to stop of this episode is that you need to stop waiting for others specifically your employer, to lay out the perfect path in front of you. Have a listen. Nicole, welcome to You Need to Stop Doing That. I am really enthusiastic to be here with you, which is actually something that I learned from one of your podcasts. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned the difference between being excited and enthusiastic. And for people who don't, haven't heard the differentiation, being excited comes from outside and being enthusiastic comes from inside. And I found that really meaningful. Um, so thanks for already educating me through your podcast. <laughs> sure. And I'm really enthusiastic to talk with you. Uh, well, likewise, I'm, I have quite a bit of enthusiasm for this conversation, so I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So please tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Sure. Well, I like to say that I am a pretty multifaceted person. So professionally, I've called myself a professional job hopper before. I've had four career changes. And most recently, I wrote a book on the future of work, which um, talks about artificial intelligence in, in the workplace and how to make big career changes. So that's one part of my life. But uh, mm -hmm. most authors will know that, that you don't necessarily get paid the big bucks to write a book. So uh, I also have a job. And my role is as a conversation designer, which means I um, build and script the chatbots that people interact with um, on websites and Facebook Messenger. So it's kind of a cutting edge job, but uh, yeah, it's a really interesting job. And, and I split my time between doing that type of work and then speaking about the future of work. Oh, that is awesome. So what popped into my head when you said that side of your job, it's a skit, I think, on some late night show or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's the person whose job it is to do the autocomplete on Google. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so like the image was just of this person who was like, what is, and they would like type all of these options of what the person might be guessing. So that's real. Okay. No, they actually use similar technology and they, you know, there is a person, I mean, now it's probably so automated because Google has so much data, right? right? Yeah. Like or any yeah. service you're using autocomplete. But yeah, in the beginning, there are certainly people that would think about, you know, responses or, you know, maybe the computer would come up with responses and humans would tweak them to sound more human and so on. So definitely related. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that was just the image that came I to love it. Mind. No, I never made that connection. It's so good. <laughs> um, all right. So then you, we are, you and I are both into the future of work, but in different ways. And I am not 
at all exposed to this world of AI and how it's going to change the future of work. So I would love for you to educate me and people listening. Sure. Um, one of the things I love about this topic is that my goal is to really translate those that hype and the headlines into action. So um, I got involved in it when I it was about 2016, and I started seeing all those headlines about you know robots are going to take your jobs, or be like, will robots take the jobs? You know, and it just dominated the headlines. And we still see it today. A lot of wrote this narrative of robots, like you're just going to be sitting there with your robot coworker, right? And that's really not the case. But what actually is happening? In the workplace is, is that software, specifically automation software and software that uses um, smart technology like artificial intelligence is changing the way that we work. That is the software is being used in our jobs to um, automate certain tasks or really change the type of skills that you need to do the job. So a really good example of this that I like to use, um, I worked for a company where the chatbot, um, I worked for this chatbot um, and, and design chatbots that were designed to do a phone screen for candidates. So instead the recruiter calling you up and having a phone conversation with you to see if you're you know, eligible for the job, the chatbot did that instead. Mm, and so that's a wild use. And that's one of thousands of examples of how AI is being used in the workplace. And the, the challenge with AI is that most people don't, the, the challenge beyond you know, thinking about robots and it's not robots, is that most people don't see it. So unless you're working with this type of software or you're in the data science space, you're not seeing some of these changes. And really my goal is to help people look for those changes, understand the skills required to um, succeed in the future of work, and then build those skills, help them find learning paths that help them build those skills. That is really cool. My first question, do we even know that we're interacting with AI? So in the example of a job interview, would we even yeah. know? That so it just depends. Yeah, that's a, such a fair question. And that actually goes back to product design. So it, ideally you have a chatbot that says, hey, I'm a, I'm a chatbot to help you or I'm a virtual assistant. But another example, still staying in kind of that HR space, there is a video platform where you do video interviews with and an AI will um, analyze your performance. And when I say AI, I mean an algorithm has been built to analyze your performance in the video interview and give you a score. And then the recruiter will see the score and not necessarily your interview. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put aside all my commentary on bias because we don't have enough time for that. But yeah. that is an instance where most people are not knowing that you're going to be evaluated by an algorithm. Mm -hmm. so you're not necessarily interacting with it, but you are, it is going to affect you later on. And so I think um, going back to, you know, it's hard to see. I think we're all aware of like interacting, you know, AI kind of powers our, our apps every, you know, our mm -hmm. social media and stuff like that. But in terms of the workplace, I think it's, it's much harder to see. Mm -hmm. That is such a whole new conversation. My mind is going down the rabbit hole of bias. And <laughs> yeah, it is. How the, build the algorithm could, how it could prevent bias because people aren't seeing you, but then the people who build the algorithm could build in bias. And, yes, um, absolutely. Conversation. <laughs> um, so back to you know, what you're talking about, how people can change their skills and mm -hmm. pursue new paths. Tell us more about that. And I think that in your book is, is on that topic, right? So can you tell us about yeah. punching doubt in the face? Yeah. So my book, Punch Doubt in the Face, How to Upskill, Change Careers, and Beat the Robots. It's such a mouthful. 
is really taking users on that journey of explaining what's happening in the workplace and then showing them all the different ways to upskill, right? Upskill is essentially professional developments on steroids. It's that ability to um, keep learning throughout your career, right? It's not just get a degree and stop, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's explaining things like how to pick boot camps or online courses or understand certificate programs or how to teach yourself new skills just from YouTube or some work projects. Mm -hmm. And so it really breaks those down because right now what we see is just a landscape of learning opportunities. And a lot of people going, yeah, but what am I supposed to do, <laughs> right? Like online courses themselves are just this huge dark hole of options. And so just helping people navigate um, what the in-demand skills are and then how to find learning experiences to build mm -hmm. those skills. Yes, I certainly feel overwhelmed by all of the opportunities. Um, and yeah. a lot of them are, you know, so many of them are free mm -hmm. and or they're very low priced um, relative to what it might be to get in-person education. But then also yes. I think sometimes that makes us not value them as much or not, yes. you know, continue through with them as much. So um, have you run into that of people being overwhelmed by choice and then not having the stick-to-itiveness yes. to keep going? What are your Absolutely. thoughts? Absolutely. That's a really good question. Yes, I have run into it. And personally, I've run into it. You know, I wrote a book mm -hmm. on this, but I'm still upskilling. I'm in online courses. I just finished um, an online course the other day that was terrible, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's by a leading brand. It's by IBM and it was on Applied AI on Coursera. And it was like watching one giant infomercial. And so that's mm. the challenge with even, even someone who is me, who's very fluent in these courses and, you know, understands the nuances. I, stumbled on one that was really pretty bad. And I think that's kind of the other um, side of the coin when you're choosing some of these free options or even some of the low cost ones, the quality um, mm -hmm. factor. And the other piece too is knowing your learning style, right? Someone else might, I know a lot of people um, looking at the reviews loved that course. That mm -hmm. was a preferred learning style for them. Me, I prefer an instructor explaining things versus in this case, it was a lot of corporate marketing videos, mm -hmm. explainer videos. Mm -hmm. So I think people, once they get, and this is something I talk about in my book, what, you know, understanding what your learning style is. And sometimes you have to try a few courses in order to figure that out. But once you do, then you can start selecting the right type of learning path for you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is a really good point is being willing to wade in, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere between being intimidated by the topic, being scared, you know, maybe if you ignore it, it'll go away. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the thresholds to actually find something that works for you. I mean, there's so many parallels, right? In life therapy, yeah. <laughs> it takes a couple times to find a therapist, it you know? Does. And, so, right. and so we don't need to put those expectations on ourselves either that we should, you know, this, we're not being graded. It's not going on our transcript. Right. So if you get into an online course and you're like, this is terrible, don't take it, go find something better. Right. That's certainly part of that learning and exploratory process. Yeah. I like that. Not attached to outcome. Um, a friend of mine is an online dating coach and she recommends dating not attached to outcome. Um, Ooh, well, also what a cool job. Yes, I know. <laughs> and she's cool fabulous job. at it. She yeah. is fabulous at it. Um, and so it's a really cool job. And she just, you know, recommends that you not think that every person you meet, if you're looking for the one, not everyone is looking for it, air quotes, the one, you mm -hmm. know, but not putting so much pressure on every interaction. And so maybe there's something in this of when you're starting to learn, not putting so much pressure on every interaction that it has to meet all of your, you know, teach you everything at once. And that's maybe the idea of upskilling in careers is that yep. not expecting any job to be the one or any new learning opportunity to be the one. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes we have to take 
you know, just like you have to take prerequisite requisites for, you know, a program or something like that. Sometimes you have to do it in your career. I certainly mm-hmm. have taken jobs that it's like, wow, this is definitely not the one, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is the one I either need to take to pay, pay bills right now, or, right. you know, to build up a savings so I can then, you know, do something mm-hmm. I want to do later. Or, you know, there's, there's all these different reasons. And I think we get really caught up in the idea of dream jobs and dream jobs are great, but we're not always going to have that dream job and that's okay. Yeah. You, know, you can still get something out of a job, even if it's not a dream job. Yeah. And that was actually when you were saying, you know, that this was the job I had to take. I don't know if this has happened for you, but it has generally been my experience that it turns out that the things that I learned in that previous job were preparing me for a future job. Or something. Oh, absolutely. Building blocks. And it's such um, a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you're in the middle of it. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. Yes. I mean, come on. We've all had those bosses where you're like, what am I even doing with this? Why am I here? Right. Like, but I, as someone who's worked, you know, over 25 jobs since I was 14, like it, I have had a lot of jobs, yeah. so they're not all shiny and wonderful right. <laughs> and they're not all learning experiences too, but you gotta <laughs> do what you gotta do sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we are talking about adding new skills. We are mm-hmm. talking about opening your, you know, your mindset to different ways, both of learning and also how you need to prepare for a future that's different. Mm-hmm. This podcast is actually about what people need to stop doing because yeah. we seem to think we add another thing, we add another thing, things get better. So as people are exploring career transitions, as people are exploring the future of work, what is something that they might need to stop doing? I think people need to stop waiting for employers to show them the path and mm-hmm. to teach them new skills. This is really a holdover from a different way of thinking a previous generation, right? That idea that you're going to get into a job and your employer are going to take care of you. And all of us, I'm pretty sure by this point, especially in COVID, we know that's not true with mass layoffs, Mm -hmm. but it's still just this narrative that's really persistent. And so what I want you to do is not wait for your employer to show you the way, show you the path, teach you the skills. I want you to take charge of it on your own. Mm-hmm. and develop your own plan. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lifetime plan, right? That's the other thing. Stop thinking about careers as a lifetime mm-hmm. um, and really start thinking about what can you do for the next three to five years to mm-hmm. learn new skills, improve your career, however you define improve, mm-hmm. right? Because it's going to be different for different people. So mm-hmm. we cannot wait for our employers to show us the way because most of them won't. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a stat I have in my book that's only 19% of uh, Fortune 500 companies actually had a career ladder pa- plan. Excuse me. Yeah, only 19% of companies had a plan for um, the, the their careers inside their organization. So most companies don't even know where you're going to go because they're in the middle of changing as well. That's interesting. Something that I do help organizations do is develop some of that career ladder. And mm-hmm. you know, some people may want to climb it. Some people may not. Um, I actually in my the back of my mind, a book title that I have started toying with is Whose Ladder Are You Climbing? Who Defines Success oh, for You? That's um, a good idea. So I'm not all about like climbing the corporate ladder, but I do think it is helpful for organizations to give people a vision. If they see themselves there, this is how it could potentially work. Mm-hmm. However, A, you're right. Lots of, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked to hear the 19%. I really mm-hmm. would have thought it was higher, but it's, job security for me, I guess, if we think, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, definitely. If, if we think it's appropriate, because it may not, I mean, like you said, they're in the middle of changing. So, and that's something that I think every organization, I get that constant change is exhausting. Um, 
And at the same time, you know, you don't want to be on this hamster wheel of self-improvement, but right. at the same time, like you always want to be improving. So, right. you know, in and, an organization, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, it, it's such a delicate balance, right? I talk about learning new skills, but it's like you're learning new skills for a specific change. And then later mm -hmm. on, you know, I talk about the two by two. So every two years you do a reflection where you, you pick two skills to learn and you work on them for two mm -hmm. years, right? Mm -hmm. Pick a skill that is your, you're, you're already good at and you just want to kill it and get even mm -hmm. better at. And then maybe pick something that you're not as good at, but you know is going to benefit you in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily, you're not, you know, hitting it every day, but it's just keeping it in mind, looking for opportunities at work to apply those skills, um, maybe taking an online course or two to really think more about, you know, how to apply these skills. That's, that's kind of more the mindset of, of improvement, right? Because I would agree with you on that hamster wheel, right? We don't always need to be improving. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly at the beginning of the job, we're still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. That said, I know I cannot tell you how many peers in my group talk about the lack of development in their careers from their, their workplace. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether it's a manager or the organization and it's like, well, that's, I mean, that's not in favor anymore. So you have to do it yourself. And mm -hmm. I tell you, going back to the career letter, there's this company that I have, it's just like the craziest crush on GitLab. Um, they're completely oh, transparent. Yes. 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 They're, they're like leading the way in remote work right now. Yes. If you go to their website and look at their jobs, they give you so much information from like what to expect to what they're looking for, to um, what your pay is expected to be, which is shocking. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I really like is the career path. And if they don't have a career path for you, they tell you, we have not mm -hmm. determined what comes after this, something like mm -hmm. that. And I was like, mm -hmm. this, this kind of transparency and thoughtfulness about how this role fits into the ecosystem and the organization is powerful. Mm -hmm. I wish all companies did that. Yeah. And I do especially like the transparency about, you know, Matchbase is a consulting company and sure you can give people junior associate titles, associate, senior associate, you know, you can give, mm -hmm. but it's, in my mind, that's more effort than it's necessarily worth. And I don't know how much people like, um, not promotion. What's the word for like forward movement, progression, progression. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how much people like progression, but in my mind, you know, and so in our you know, handbook, I say, hey, this is not the place where you climb the ladder. And if that's important to you, it's not that we don't want to work with you, but I understand you may be frustrated by that. Yeah. Um, and, and just because it's there, there aren't a lot of places to go. Like it's a very, you know, you can become a more senior level consultant. You can become more sophisticated. There are things that, you know, we can do for compensation, but there's not going to be a huge shift in the type of work or the title or anything. Um, and yeah. for some people, that's probably not very exciting, but it's I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there with like some people that's not going to work for others at will. And I think that goes back to like, what are you looking for right now in your career? Because mm -hmm. our career interests change over time. And mm -hmm. as someone who is, well, has both worked in higher education where there's so little opportunity to move up. Mm -hmm. um, and also been an in independent contributor for a long time. I wish someone in my earlier in my career had said like, Hey, take a look at independent contributors. This mm -hmm. is what they do. Here's how mm -hmm. they move forward. Here's how they find future opportunities if they don't want to go into management, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I'm a person that I go back and forth on management, you know, mm -hmm. still in my career and I haven't really done it. And it's like, but that's, I mean, I've bumped up against the top ceiling of, right. you know, management all the time. And so it's hard to find career paths for independent contributors. Some companies mm -hmm. get it right, um, mm -hmm. but not all. 
So I think even that awareness of, that you are an independent contributor and like giving that a name and saying, hey, look, this is what this looks like. Here's what your path might look like mm-hmm. is really valuable. Yeah. And then people being okay with that. I think that's another. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I observed that pretty early because management is kind of my skill set. That was, it's just, that's, and people look at it as a promotion rather than a skill set. Yeah. And so they take it, they're like, well, it's the only promotion available. So I'll just become a manager, but then they don't want to add on. You can absolutely build that skill set. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, you're either you got it or you don't, but, but so many people who take a promotion because it's a promotion rather than they actually want that skill set. And so that's where the ladder climbing, I think, can, you know, what about if you're just happy where you are, you know, and yes. I want to grow yourself as a human and grow the types of things you work on and grow, you know, that it doesn't have to be tied to progression, but right. growth on its own. So you hit a really, I mean, I think you hit some really good points there. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I talk about in the book about um, essentially burning down the career ladder because it does promote that mentality that we should always be moving up, but it doesn't give us the space to move lateral, diagonal, or even sometimes we have to move, you know, back a little bit. I don't want to stay down because we're not on a ladder, right? We've got to move back in order to go forward again, or maybe we've got to move back just to like try something new and exciting and experiment, right? And so a lot of people are afraid of kind of that not moving forward and what that what that's like. And, and I really want to rewrite the narrative and say, look, you can move in all different directions mm-hmm. and here's how. And really that's the future of work, right? Is that mm-hmm. um, agile employee can be plugged into different places that can work across industries and functions and collaborate and so on. So So that's how I see it. I think the corporate ladder is very the career ladder is very helpful for a lot of people, but I think there's a a huge group of people, especially in this generation that are going, wait a minute, (laughs) this isn't, um, this isn't going to work for me, especially when we add like freelancing and side hustles and Mm -hmm. people dropping out to start their own businesses and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just used a term agile career. I should have written down agile Um, worker, agile worker. What are Mm -hmm. the attributes of an agile worker? So someone who is, I would say one naturally curious, mm-hmm. someone who, you know, it's not just that you get in a field and you only study your field, you're understanding how your, your field of expertise interacts with different fields of expertise. So looking cross-functionally, mm-hmm. right? Because now when we see in organizations, they have complex projects and they need people who can work across uh, functions to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're really seeing kind of this expectation that you're, you bring your expertise, but you're going to need to collaborate with all these people and your way is not the only way. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's that curiosity, that adaptability and collaboration. And then an agile worker is someone that has um, what's called a hybrid skill set. So this is someone that has technical skills, analytical skills. So that's, you know, like reasoning and your ability to interpret data and analyze data. And then what we call the soft skills that I call them power skills. <laughs> so, and that's your creativity, your, your communication skills, um, and so on. So it's really that hybrid skill set that makes an agile employee. So that way they can, you know, adapt as businesses adapt. I love, sorry, I'm so distracted. I can't even remember what else you said. <laughs> Is it the power skills? The power skills. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's exactly what it is. Those are, that is amazing. I will be quoting you now forever. Um, Uh, I'm so glad I, I just, I, they need a rebrand. I'm tired of it as someone who has, you know, going back to what you said about management, right? That is a skill set, and it's a powerful skill set. And it's the same thing with communication. You know, I, my top skill is public speaking. 
I love to be in front of a crowd mm. and I used to get paid pre COVID doing it. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, that ability to be up there and it's the same thing with writing, you know, we've always, we've had managers who, who can't write and everyone's going like, what did you just say? Right. Like yeah. it's a skill. And they're so under, they're, they're not undervalued. They we're just not talked, talked about enough and it's not valued enough outwardly. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, they are power skills. You can move audiences and change minds with power skills. For real, for real. And <laughs> I mean, I associated a little bit with, not that, I don't know, the, the hard skills, you talked about data analytics and everything, but um, mm -hmm. those are, I think people, when they think of, I don't know, there, there are classes for learning how to be a public speaker, or there are classes sure, for compassionate sure. leadership. There's all sorts of ways that you can upskill your power skills. Um, that a lot of people probably don't think that that's a place to continue to, to build. Right. Um, so, oh my goodness. Wow. That you just rebranded that for me. <laughs> that's great. I, I'm excited. If I can do, accomplish one thing with my book, it's rebranding soft skills, the power of skills. Cause yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Um, so as you look at all of these things kind of swirling together about the future of work, is it, are there parts that are specifically clear to you? Are there trends that you see unfolding before us um, about the future of work or about people's, their own responsibility? You know, we said that you need to yeah. stop thinking that someone's going to lay it out for you. Are there trends that you see about kind of these things going forward? Yeah, I think one, and we've seen it since the pandemic, it's the importance of digital skills. That's mm -hmm. a pretty big bucket, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that ability to embrace new technology. I, I know a lot of people are hesitant, especially when it comes to AI. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't care. I hate technology, right? Mm -hmm. And I get it, but I want to... I want, to I want to encourage people to get curious about it. That's really what I am passionate about is getting people to get curious about new technology. You don't have to agree with it. In fact, um, a lot of what I, what, when I give these examples of AI in the workplace, I'm actually quite skeptical of them and have um, issues with them. But, that's, but the point is, is I've learned about the technology. And so I want other people to do the same with all digital skills, whether it's you know, learning about some new software that's being used in your industry and figuring out you know, how do people use them, what's good about them, what they could improve, whether it's um, just learning the basics of a programming language you don't have to learn to code, but learning how code is structured, the syntax, and then how the how engineers think, mm. because they tend to think and learn much differently than, say, someone like me who has a liberal arts background. That's mm -hmm. something I've learned. Um, these are all aspects of becoming digitally competent, right? And mm -hmm. that's where we need to go. Because if you are, you know, someone like me, I graduated from my undergrad, you know, about oh, what are we at now? Seventeen years ago. You know, and I have a master's too, but I didn't cover any of this in my education. And so I've had mm -hmm. to take the last couple of years to learn. Mm -hmm. And so the big trend is really those digital skills and getting up to speed with them. And we saw it accelerated with um, remote work and the use of obviously Slack, Zoom. Those are pretty basic mm -hmm. digital tools for some people, but for others that may be, you know, a big jump. And not mm -hmm. only just using them, but using them effectively to do things like training or teaching or, you know, mm -hmm. collaborating. So for me, that's the big trend um, is getting people up to speed on their digital skills and not just up to speed, but comfortable, comfortable yeah. with them and, and leaning into it and that embracing that curiosity. I know that there are, I mean, we already talked about different learning styles and different whatever, mm -hmm. but if there was one, you know, if you had one go-to course or, you know, something to just, if someone had no real concept of digital skills like this, um, 
and didn't even know where to start. Is there one direction where you would point people? Mm, that would be a harder one only because digital skills is such a broad bucket. Mm -hmm. So one thing you could do, so if you have a job, is um, finding the person who seems to know everything about the software that you work on, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And going to them and asking them about it, you mm -hmm. know? I'm asking curious questions. I think um, I did this in an organization where I'm trying to learn about data science and I went to the data scientist and I said, can you give me an overview of data mm -hmm. science? I really don't understand. And he did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, you know, we talk about online courses, but there's also your peers um, in your workplace that you can go to and you can ask. And I, I want to, I want people to, to, to embrace that, right? It's, it's showing that you have an open mindset and curious mindset to be able to ask those kind of questions and admit like, Hey, I don't know this. Right. But that's how you learn. It's, it's that admitting that you, you don't know something and you want to know more and people are so open to that. So that's how I would approach it. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be your coworker, find the person in your family. that's always fixing your iPhone or maybe the one that's like really good at building websites. You know, these are all entry points into digital skills. I think, um, that is the answer to the question that I asked. Um, what was in my mind was more about AI and how oh. it's interact, inter interacting with the future of work. So, oh, definitely. Um, I have one. Uh, you could take the, I do have a recommendation for that. Sorry, so, that <laughs> that's okay. Well, again, it goes back to like digital skills, right? This is such a big bucket. And right, so yeah. for AI, I would recommend, um, there's two courses. There is one that's by, um, the Finnish government actually, uh, that was designed to help educate Finnish citizens about mm -hmm. AI. And it's so well done. It's, um, I, I really actually just finished the course. It's delightful. Um, and it's called Elements of AI. Okay. And so that one's really good. And then Coursera actually has um, a course that is called AI for Everyone. Okay. And this, it's not for engineers. It's just if you want to get better at using AI and just understand from a non-technical perspective. Um, well, it's technical, but like it's written for non-technical people. So that one's a really good one as well to check out. Okay, cool. We will link to both of those in the show notes. Um, and I like the idea of, you know, just asking someone, you know, asking yeah. what their, you know, experiences or, or whatever. And I think I have a more limited view of it because I have, you know, done a couple, you know, I might be one of the people that someone in my family comes to about iPhone things or something. And mm -hmm. oh, maybe I have more than I know. Um, so I could just ask someone else who seems to have more than I have. And then also um, I'm excited to check out those two courses. On yeah, AI. They're, they're definitely different. The AI for everyone is like more of that business side. So if you're looking at business applications, that's great. And then the elements of AI is more of a hands-on. They don't require any math or um, knowledge of like hardcore math or coding, but you actually get to like use these concepts and understand how they're applied. So they're different courses, but together they're very nice intro to this technology. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for those recommendations. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all that you have shared with us um, throughout the course of this conversation. It's been really delightful to talk with you. Um, my enthusiasm was right on. Um, I had, <laughs> had good reason to be enthusiastic about this conversation. I have one final question that I asked sure. all of the guests on the podcast. What is something that you are trying to stop doing right now from a personal perspective and how's it going? <laughs> I am trying to stop refreshing my social feeds all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it is hard. I have gone on media like blackouts for a few days to just kind of reset. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I think, very familiar to a lot of people, especially right now in the times that we live in, but I am trying to, to, to do that less. 
-hmm. And I know in the past, like I've tried like timers and stuff, but what's actually been working is uh, about two months ago, I started learning to play the ukulele and I have zero background in music, like negative music knowledge. I have nothing. (laughs) So I'm using YouTube for, for learning, but, um, you know, learning to play a musical instrument, you have to practice a lot. So I'm not always on a screen at all. I am just practicing and I'm away from a screen and it is magic. It is, I can get lost in doing it mm. and it's fun and it's, it's just so different from anything I've ever done. And so for me, that's helping, <laughs> but it turns mm-hmm. out my, what I needed was to get completely away from a screen in order to not refresh my social media all day long. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yep. nice. Um, I do, I think what I'm always looking for is something that's a quick fix because I may not have time mm. to pick up and get into a book, but I have time to read a, what are, how long are tweets right now? 160 characters? I don't know. Yeah. They, they changed the length, but you know, and so I, I go for the quick fix. And so yeah. if I had something else that could give me, and it is, it's literally a fix, right? It's a dopamine hit. Absolutely. And, we Absolutely. never know what we're going to get. So it's kind of like gambling. And- it's totally the gambling. <laughs> I come from Las Vegas. So I'm all, <laughs> this feels real familiar. <laughs> um, so you're finding something else that it's, I mean, digging, it's engaging your brain in a completely different way. Yeah, um, exactly. That's really awesome. And your fingers can't touch the screen. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Nicole, it has been so fun to talk with you. Thank you so much for your sharing your wisdom with us. Um, We will be linking to your book in the show notes as well as those courses that you recommended. Thanks so much for coming on. You need to stop doing that. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a delightful conversation. Mm Great folks, I hope you found that conversation as fun and informative as I did. I am definitely one of those people who is ignoring AI. So talking with Nicole motivated me to get out there and learn. I actually hope that AI course from the Netherlands is in Dutch because I've always found that to be such a fun language to listen to. I hope this podcast motivates you to stop waiting for someone to lay out your career progression for you and that you are excited to find out what else you can learn and how you can continually be upskilling.